so many of us are falling through the cracks because we're not in a place to diagnose our symptoms or know what's going on or know what's normal. And so, uh, yeah, I would be, I would be really interested to see what the numbers were if we could get an accurate picture of everybody who's really struggling or dealing with something internally. Hey everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Entering Motherhood, a podcast dedicated specifically to new moms going through this amazing journey in life. I'm your host, Sarah Bilger, a postpartum nutritional coach slash mechanical engineer. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you and share all the information I've been lucky enough to obtain since becoming a mom. In this episode, we talk with Kira Key about everything that she went through in the postpartum period, as well as her book, Motherhood is Big Enough. I'd like to start this episode off first by saying thank you so much to all the listeners and everybody that has supported us along the way. This has been an amazing journey so far, and it has been such a blast recording episodes and watching the podcast expand. We are currently going through our Heal Your Trauma Mama event, which is 30 days of mini episodes that you can follow along with. And we are also getting ready for our first ever spring festival event on May 15th. This event is going to be packed with guest speakers, activities, vendors, food trucks, giveaways, and it will be a space to truly embrace motherhood. This event is family friendly and kids five and under will be free, but keep in mind that this event is meant to celebrate mamas and bring us together so that we can hear each other's stories and bond as a community. I hope to see you there as past guests of the podcast and mamas from all over come together to make this event possible. Use the promo code ENTERINGMOTHERHOOD50 to get 50% off. To learn more about the event and who you can expect to see there, check out the show notes and head on over to the Entering Motherhood website, or feel free to reach out to me with any questions. And with that, let's get this episode started. Hello, and welcome to Entering Motherhood. I am so excited to have you here today and really just get talking. So how about you start off by introducing yourself? Sure. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast and I love what you're doing. So really excited to be here. My name is Kitty Aki. I'm a mom to two little boys. Uh, They're six and three. Um, And I live with my husband, our boys, and our little puppy Pickles in the Salt Lake City area of Utah. Um, But yeah, motherhood has definitely been a journey for me. So I'm so excited to kind of get into that with you today. What kind of dog do you have? She's a black lab German shepherd mix. She's a puppy. So she's still in that wild phase. It's a lot. (laughs) Well, yeah, let's talk about, you know, your journey of entering motherhood and what that was like. Yeah. So with my first pregnancy, it was really, really difficult. Um, I had the extreme morning sickness and pretty much every um, symptom you can fathom. Uh, I ended up having to quit my job and was pretty much on bed rest at the beginning of the pregnancy. And then by the time I got to labor and delivery, um, you know, I, I had been so sick and so nauseous up until like the, the minute the baby came out, I stopped feeling nauseous. And I was like, Oh, Oh my gosh, freedom. And like, okay, the hard part is over. 
and just feeling like I did it. I made it. And I was so wrong. Like that was just the beginning of a really, really difficult period in my life. I like to joke that I won the postpartum lottery because I struggled with postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, PTSD. And I also had two very rare and physical conditions called levator myalgia and vaginismus, which essentially was muscle and nerve damage. So I couldn't bend, sit, wear pants, have sex, anything without pain, extreme pain for two years. Um, So that just jumped me into a two-year struggle of basically learning to walk again, doing physical therapy, like in the beginning. And I used to, I was a runner, so it was like, I couldn't exercise. I couldn't do anything. And my physical therapist just said, well, you have to learn to walk and basically start over. So I would start shuffling, just shuffling my feet with like these little steps, not even taking steps because it hurt all the way to fast forward three years later and I'm running again. So I have been healed, but it was a long, really difficult process to get to where I am now. Wow. So was that immediately postpartum or did it kind of transition into losing mobility and stuff like that? Yeah, that was immediate. And it wasn't so much the losing mobility as the the muscle and nerve damage prevented me from doing the regular things that I would do because of the pain. So yeah, it was like I was doing suppositories and painkillers and muscle relaxers and physical therapy and um, this thing that I, (laughs) the wand, it was like this long curved wand that I had to insert and basically stretch myself from the inside out to loosen the muscles. And it was excruciating, but yeah, it was pretty much immediate and it took a while to diagnose my doctor didn't realize that was what was happening. And it took a few diagnoses before we finally realized, oh, this is what's going on. Um, and I'll never forget when she finally realized the correct diagnosis because I was sitting in her office. And at that point, I had had a few follow-up visits because I wasn't healing um, above the regular like six-week checkup where they're like, you're good to go, start having sex, you know? And at first they were like, oh, you have a lot of scar tissue. We're going to burn that off with silver nitrate, which was, oh, it was so painful. I almost passed out any physical exam. I would almost pass out. So finally, when she realized what was going on, I was like, okay, well, add it to the list. You know, let's, let's just, whatever. How long is this going to take to get over? And she just looked at me and was like, kitty, a key. No, that's not how this works. If you're going to get better and some women never get better. It's going to take a lot of hard work and physical therapy. And she started to outline all the things I would need to do to have a chance of recovery. And I just remember leaving that appointment and, and I'm a very modest person, like sticking a wand up there twice a day is not like something that I'm just like, okay, yeah, let's try it. It was like a big deal for me. And I called my husband and I was just crying and I was like, I can't. I can't do this. And he was like, yes, you can look at what you just did. Look at the hard pregnancy. Look at how you brought our baby into the world. You can do this. So I let myself cry for about 24 hours. And then I picked myself up and I was like, okay, let's try. And that's when the journey started. Wow. That's crazy. And then (laughs) you said it was a while to diagnose. Can you remember like when that day was like when it was finally like, okay, this is the next step. This is like what we're going to try. Yeah, it wasn't um, super long. It was maybe two months, I think, at that point where when she finally diagnosed, but I had been going back 
every couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, I think I had the regular six week checkup and then maybe one more. And then the third visit, it was like, oh, okay, this is what's happening. Like we've tried to burn off this scar tissue. We've tried everything else. I think this is more serious. And that's when she realized what it was. So yeah, it was, it was a huge, like ton of bricks falling on me basically where I was like, oh, I might not get better and this might be my life. And that was a really difficult pill to swallow. Yeah. And on top of that, you said that you were dealing with postpartum anxiety and depression mm. and PP- oh. PTSD. <laughs> like what, what was that journey? Like when did you kind of get a diagnosis for that? And what was going on? Well, in, guess in what? I, I had never gotten a diagnosis for that. And it was only later that I realized what was going on, which is partly why I ended up writing my book. And we'll get into that later was because I fell through the cracks and it was, for me, it was, I know there are a lot of moms who fall through the cracks. For me, it was mostly um, delusion. I wasn't sleeping at all and I was hallucinating during the day and uh, my mind was so far gone that every time I went back to the doctor, they would give me a screening and in my mind, I was like, oh, it's not that bad. And I I was so far out of my mind, I didn't know what was normal or what was okay. So I would just answer what I knew I was supposed to And so every time I would get a check, like, you're clear, you're all good, but I knew I wasn't okay. Um, And I know for other mamas, it's uh, it's also delusion or sleep deprivation, but sometimes it's um, it can be fear. I know some moms who say, I was afraid they would take the baby away if they knew what my thoughts were. Just a lot of different reasons why moms might not be in the best mental position to complete those surveys accurately. And so I think the statistics are staggering as it is for maternal uh, mental illness. And these are the people who are doing these surveys accurately. And so so many of us are falling through the cracks because we're not in a place to diagnose our symptoms or know what's going on or know what's normal. And so, uh, yeah, I would be I would be really interested to see what the numbers were if we could get an accurate picture of everybody who's really struggling or dealing with something internally who is not represented on those sheets. Yeah. And like you said, there's that fear. There's so much fear. I mean, I have a 10 week old. I just had to complete oh that. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I've listened to a couple about the new baby. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, yeah, I just had to fill that out. And this time around, this is our second you know, it is so much better. But as a first time mom too, you know, you're kind of looking at that. And yeah, you have that fear of, are they going to take my baby away? Are they going to say that I'm crazy? Like what is normal? And you're just going in for a quick 20 minute checkup or whatever. They don't know you. They can't evaluate how you're feeling or what you're doing or anything like that. You know, and like, I think just even asking a mom, like, how was the birth like how was the labor because with my first I had a cesarean and it was my daughter's pediatrician that I was going in for one of her first few well visits and he was kind of like how was the labor like how how was the birth and everything and I just started bawling because I did not plan for a cesarean but that's how it ended up and I felt like I had almost failed her in a way or something along those lines. Like, I was like, I feel so bad. Like, you know, we had a cesarean. Yeah. Like, it was just, Mm -hmm. and like, you know, here I am crying at her pediatrician's 
But like at my doctor's, when I went for my visit, they just check you and they're like, okay, you look good. And like you said, the whole like, good to have sex, good to exercise. Good, good to, to go. go. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and just yeah. it's so crazy. And it was like, you know, just my emotions coming out at that point when somebody finally asked me like, how was it? Yeah. Because I was having yeah. so many people kind of tell me like, oh, I'm so sorry you had to go through with that. Or I know that's not what you planned for. But nobody really asked my opinion on it or like how I yeah. felt. They kind of just I, put this yeah. preconceived idea of what they thought my feelings would be. And I think if, if doctors had a little more time or if we had it built into the system, like, let me just hear them talk. Because even if you don't know, or even if you're, if you're out of your mind, if the doctor listens to you for a while, they're going to notice like, okay, she's not thinking rationally. Um, but unfortunately, oftentimes it is that quick. It's like, okay, check, check, check. You're good. Look good. Okay. Go have sex. You're fine. And so it's, really difficult. And I did have a great doctor who really tried to go slow and all that stuff, but we still didn't really have the conversation about the mental side of things. It was more the physical. Um, and so, yeah, that's a big part of transitioning into motherhood that I wish we kind of, as a society did a little bit better. Yeah. Even just talking, you know, to friends or family or somebody else and like being able to have somebody to open up about that conversation with, can be so beneficial or even just kind of like having a conversation with yourself. Like I always just talk about, you know, journaling or getting your thoughts out or really just taking that time to sit with yourself and ask you those, like ask yourself those questions. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. And unfortunately in that postpartum phase with our hormones going crazy, our sleep non-existent, it is hard for us to stop and sit in those um, emotions and try to rationally suss them out. And so at that point, it's great to have a partner who's ready and looking for warning signs. And maybe we as you know, podcasters and moms can do better to educate the partners, the family members. Um, and it would be great if the doctors were on that team too, to look for these red flags and kind of say like, okay, you know, this is what's going on, or you need to go take a nap or, you know, just have a support around you before the baby comes. So you feel um, like you don't have to be right. the last defense. Like I need to figure this because you're going to be so out of your mind, you know, in a lot of cases and some women, it's not going to be that bad or it's not going to be that, you know, far fetched, but it would be good to have an unbiased third party <laughs> to see you and see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's just so many, there's so many more things that we can be doing. And like you said, like, that's why, you know, this podcast originated and I really just wanted to get the conversation going and just dive into what is going on in this postpartum period. And like, why are we having these feelings or these emotions or, or all the stuff, you know, like they teach you how to take care of your baby, or there's like all these apps and things and such and articles that kind of explain to you like what to do with baby, but you're still like, clueless you're like what right. do I do with this baby and you're like yeah. stuck googling things and looking up things and I think one of the greatest gifts as moms you know mom friends for us on the other side of a mom having a baby the greatest gift I remember my friend Amber after my second baby she was like okay here's what's going to happen. I'm going to come over and you're just going to talk and I'm just going to listen. No judgment, no advice. I'm just going to listen. And I was like, 
okay. And I just like vented to her and it was so helpful. And to me having that sounding board when, and like you said, a journal is a great thing to just like vomit everything out. And then you can kind of see like, am I doing okay? Am I not doing okay? What do I need? And maybe having that person who is more mentally stable to say, Hey, you know, it sounds like you just need a break, or it sounds like you need to go seek professional help, or it sounds like you need physical medical attention, you know? Um, but yeah, I think it is a hard period, period, (laughs) no matter what it's hard. Yeah. And then let's talk about your book. I think it's like so cute and how it's designed and everything. And the images are so fun. (laughs) Oh, thank you. So because I fell through the cracks, um, it kind of, I'll, I'll rewind a little bit and kind of talk about how it originated. But, um, when I started to recover and I actually was healed physically after the birth of my second son, it's called a redemptive birth. Um, and we can get into that later if you want, but, uh, emotionally and mentally, I still had a ways to go, but physically I was completely healed after him. Um, and when I started to recover, I started to see these moms struggling all around me. Uh, like one mom had her baby, came home, hemorrhaged, almost died, went back to the hospital, hemorrhaged again. And it was like, she has a new newborn at home that she needs to take care of. And she's fighting for her life or other moms who are suicidal and just, you know, or, you know, going through postpartum psychosis, thinking they're going to hurt themselves or hurt the baby. And it was like mentally, emotionally, physically, so many women were going through so many varied things. It was kind of overwhelming and heartbreaking. And I remember one friend specifically who at the time I was living in Los Angeles, and that can be a pretty tough place if you don't have a network already built. And she had just moved there Um, didn't have any friends, didn't have a car, was living in a two-story walk-up and then gave birth. And then she realized I was in the city and texted me. And I immediately did what I call, I blew the mom whistle. And I rallied all of these moms around her. And I was like, this mom needs our help. Call, visit, text, support, please. And all of these moms started reaching out to her. And then I went over to her house and I was like, okay, get your stroller. We're going for a walk. You need to move your body and you need sun. You need the sunlight. So we just walked and talked and she shared with me all of these dark thoughts. And I could see on her face, this trepidation of like, I shouldn't say this. I, you know, and every time she shared a dark thought, I would be like, oh yeah, been there. Oh yeah, me too. Or, oh, I had that thought. And she was just shocked. Like, really? You and I was like, oh yeah, the the wide spectrum of what is quote unquote normal is so varied. And yes, there are plenty of times when you do need to seek professional help. You need to call a, a suicide prevention hotline, or um, there are dire cases where you do need to do things like that. But in a lot of cases, it's like you just need someone to hear you and validate you and say, this is temporary. And you're not a bad mom for thinking that or feeling that, you know, or you're not a bad mom for not bonding right away because you had a traumatic birth or because you weren't signing up for this or whatever. It's okay. It's all okay. And you're okay. And you're enough. So my book spawned from that because, so the title of my book is motherhood is big enough. And it came from that period where I was walking this friend through the postpartum period and 
I would always try to organize these mom events and get moms together because I do so strongly believe that the social aspect of motherhood is so crucial because when you're just you and the baby day in, day out, you can spiral down this dark spiral of your own thoughts and, and they can get really skewed and distorted. Um, and so anyway, one of these moms was like, Kitty Aki, you're our den mother. And I was like, oh, I love that. And so I actually started my company called The Den Mother. And I thought, how can I, what's a way that I can reach these moms without asking them to go do some research, find a support group, put on a pair of pants, go outside, something that doesn't take away from the enormous load of motherhood they're already doing, but offers just a glimpse or a little bit of hope. Because as you know, sometimes you just need a spark of hope to get you through that day or even that hour. And so I thought, you know, we are taught to read to our babies from zero on because it helps with brain development, eye development, social skills, cognitive skills, all of these things. Um, and so I decided to write a book, a children's board book for moms. And so the pictures and the words and the cadence are all very repetitive and simple to help with babies developing brain and eyes and social and cognitive and language skills, as well as bonding with mom in this new postpartum period. But the message is just for mom and it tells her that you are enough, motherhood is enough. If the dishes don't get done today, that's okay. Because guess what? You are doing an enormous job. Um, so I wrote this book. Uh, and I know this is a long story, but I'll wrap it up here is that I decided to do a Kickstarter campaign and my husband was like, well, that's a great idea because it's basically uh, market research. You know, people will tell you if it's a good idea or not. And I was like, yeah, you know, if, if I get funded, I'll make the book. If I don't get funded, I won't make the book. Instantly, the minute I posted it, donations started rolling in and I was shocked. But the big thing that really hit me was all of these women coming out of nowhere, women in my own family, friends that I've had for years that started telling me, this is my story. I can relate to that. This is what happened to me and sharing things that I was like, how did I not know that happened that we didn't talk about before? I was like crying daily, sometimes with strangers, like at the pool, <laughs> at swim lessons with my kids, a mom would come up to me and be like, I watched your Kickstarter video and start crying and sharing with me sharing with me her um, postpartum psychosis issues and all of this stuff. And I was just so floored that probably at the halfway point of the Kickstarter campaign, I went from like, yeah, maybe I'll do this to like, no, I have to do this. Um, and so we, we exceeded our goal, made the book, and now it's being sold in about six or seven stores locally, as well as online. And the response has been so beautiful and so amazing that it's just been my little love letter to moms um, and just a really fun way for them to connect and do something for them while they're also caring for their baby. Yeah. And I think that's such a huge thing too, because, you know, like a lot of the pages say and everything like motherhood is big enough and it's already like something that we're trying to handle and get through and, and go through. And then, you know, we're thinking, oh, we have to do these things for our baby. Like, there's no time for me. And like, to have a book that is engaging for our baby as well, but we're getting those feelings of we are enough. This is okay. Like other people, other moms are going through these feelings. 
I think to be able to simultaneously do that is such a, like, we don't feel like we're taking time away from our baby because we're reading them a book and they're looking at the pictures and, and they're engaging, but we're kind of getting that reminder of this is okay. This is normal. These feelings are, are happening. And, and, you know, like we're getting that stimulation too. Yeah. And I think it's so important that um, not only that we get those times and even if you are able and a lot of moms are not, but to set aside time aside from the baby, just for you, I think that's so important, but I also think it's just really great, um, to, I don't know if you've heard the term gamification, but making tasks fun for yourself. So you look forward to those tasks. Like, so in the beginning when I was, I, I was a new mom and I was really struggling to breastfeed. And for the first three months, I was putting myself through hell. I had lactation consultants and medications, supplements, herbs, cookies, soups, like everything to try to produce milk. I was pumping around the clock. I was not sleeping. And every time I would have to hook myself up to the pump or nurse, it was excruciating for me, especially because my son was hungry all the time and I couldn't make milk in the very beginning months. Um, so I made it fun for myself because I would, I would, I had a little rocking chair with pockets. I would put water bottles on one side and treats on the other side. And I would let myself watch a stupid sitcom and laugh. So every time I had to feed, I knew it was like treat time, sitcom time. And I made it so fun that it became really fun for me. Um, and yeah. And I think the same thing with the book, like, oh my gosh, I have to read another story and I have to make sure I'm constantly reading. And all of these things can become have tos instead of want tos. And so if it, if it becomes something fun where you're like, oh, I get to read this beautiful, colorful, sweet little book that's also talking to me, it, it makes the tasks, the day-to-day a little bit more enjoyable. And I am all about gamification. So you can not only get through those tasks every day, but like really look forward to them and really enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard that term, but I love that concept. And I think for me, like right now, nursing and everything, I think like I started pretending to run. (laughs) So like, I kind of like sit there and I remember like, like, cause you said you're a runner and everything, but like trails that I've been on or races Mm. that I've been in, cause you're just sitting there and you feel so stuck. You can't move. You can't do anything. And like, you can only scroll through your phone like so much before you're just burned out and you don't want to look at anything anymore. So I kind of just sit there and almost daydream of these trails that I used to run on or races that I've been in. I just sit there and like pretend that I'm running. But then it's fun. It's really fun. It's beautiful. And you know what? That's such an interesting point you bring up. And I love that you do that. I've never heard of that. And it's so sweet because I am a huge proponent of daydreaming. I think your mind doesn't know what's real and what's not. And you can go anywhere and do anything. And so for a lot of moms, new motherhood means putting their dreams on hold or putting them on the back burner. And because you have a lot of, of time to be doing these baby care things. And by the way, I am a total um, proponent and I definitely think baby care is bonding time. So changing the diaper, swaddling, putting them to bed, nursing them, a lot of these times can be used to bond, but I don't think we need to guilt trip ourselves. Like, cause I used to do that in the beginning. Oh, I should, I should be bonding and I need to force myself. But guess what? You forcing yourself and stressing out is not going to achieve that result anyway. 
Um, and so it, in those moments where it's like, I, I just can't physically bond or focus. My mind cannot be there right now. Taking your mind to like your dreams and what I want to be when I grow up and what do I want to do when my body is healed and what it's like your mind doesn't know the difference and your reticular activating system actually puts it to work on like, okay, how can I make this happen when we're ready to go? And so it's like, and the other thing about that too, is that it excites you. It gives you hope. And there have been studies that have shown that hope actually gives you energy, which is what new moms need. So if you're doing that, and if you're doing that mental practice of like daydreaming and thinking joyful thoughts, you're going to have the energy and stamina to right. do the marathon, not yeah. just the sprint. It's yeah. so good. I love that you do that. <laughs> yeah, it was just like something that I, because yeah, like you were saying, you know, our mind doesn't know the difference. And so like, if we're mentally thinking about doing it, or we're actually physically doing it, those emotions and those feelings are still activating. And we're still kind of getting that stimulation. So I was like, well, I can't go out and run right now. Like I can't work out like I'm two weeks, two days postpartum, whatever it was. And I was just like, well, you know what, I'm just gonna think that I'm running or think that I'm working out or think that I'm doing jumping jacks or getting all pumped up and really moving my body. And, and I think it's mentally helped me because I get that, you know, stimulation or remembering being outside in the fresh air and running or being on this or just getting that feeling of, oh, I finished the race, you know, mm-hmm. and totally. And it's just been, it's been really fun. And and so, yeah, That's when awesome. you're just sitting there and you can't move and you can't really do anything, um, oh, it's you so can sweet. mentally daydream about being somewhere or doing something. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if other moms have this, but I struggle with like, I need to think about this. I have to like any task, any stress, any, anything that's overwhelming me, it feels so urgent that it's like, I have to focus on this. And a lot of times you don't, you can write it down so you don't forget and you can choose and make that choice to think about something else. And I think, gosh, it's so good for us, but it's so good for our babies. If we are in a place where we're having joy and we're enjoying it and we're not stressing out about it, yeah, they feed off our energy. And it's just like, yeah, any way that you can get your mind to a place where you're just thinking good thoughts and you're enjoying it and you have peace. I am such a supporter of that. Yeah. And I think, you know, that obviously can be really difficult sometimes in the postpartum period. And you're just kind of, you know, maybe listening to this and saying like, oh, yeah, that sounds nice. I'd love to be in that joyful space. Do you have any kind of advice or things that you have learned to really put ourselves in that place or want to go to that place or um, I don't know how else to like ask it, but just kind of what has helped you in the past to really be more in that joyful state? Uh, I think there's a misconception about joy, which is you're either a joyful person or you're not, or you know, you're happy or you're not. But it, I believe so strongly that it is a muscle that needs to be exercised constantly um, and one of the one of the best examples of this was when I initially started wanting to try to have more joy. I read a book called Defiant Joy by Candace Payne. Have you read that book? No. Oh, it's so good. And so, so she's the lady who I don't know if you remember that viral video years ago called the Chewbacca Mom. 
No. Where she, oh, you have to watch it. She put on this Chewbacca mask she bought. Um, and every time she opened her mouth, it would make the Chewbacca sound. And it like, she would just die laughing. And she like cracked herself up for like 10 minutes or something. And she just posted <laughs> it. And the whole world got behind it because it was like, everybody needed that joy. Everybody needed that laughter and that release. Yeah. Um, and so she became for a while, the poster child of joy. And she ended up writing a book about joy. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get that book because I want to have joy. And I expected it to be like laughter and fun. And, and the whole book was about near collapse with her family, almost getting divorced, dark times, poverty, like all of these things. And, and her talking about like working that muscle of having to choose joy in these situations that were really hard have made it to the point where it's riding a bike and it's so easy that she has constant joy. Um, and I think I, I kind of was in that boat too, of where it's like, oh, you're either joyful, things are good or things are bad and you're sad. And you know, if there's a bad situation or a hard situation, you have to feel a certain way. And to think I get to choose this, um, is so empowering. And so I, I very rarely try to give advice, but I would say, if there's anything that works for me, it's like you said, putting yourself in that position where you're choosing to think those joyful thoughts, you're choosing to gamify your day and make it fun. You're choosing to, if there is a serious issue that you need to solve, you get it done. You put it on your thing, on your calendar and you say, Wednesday at 10 o'clock when the baby's sleeping, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to find a solution. Until then, I'm going to have joy and I'm going to relax. I'm going to watch a sitcom. Um, and some people cannot do that. They cannot compartmentalize. And so I would say, take care of the task and then watch a sitcom or go for a run or go for a hike in nature or something to reward yourself. Uh, but yeah, I think A, it's a choice. B, it's a muscle. It has to be exercised every day and not when conditions are good, but in especially the pebbles of every day, those are the best training periods. I heard somebody say once, um, because I am very sensitive to the weather and when it's sunny, oh, it lights me up. And when it's, I love the rain and the snow too, but it's harder for me to get my mental state there. And somebody once said, create your own sunshine. Like you don't need to rely on what the weather is doing, create your own sunshine. And I loved that because it was like, I'm not going to wait for a sunny day to feel good. I'm going to create it. Um, and I know this is like a lot of jumbled, I guess, tips and advice. But the last thing I would say is just to give yourself immediate rewards. And the harder the task or the harder the thing you get through, the bigger the reward. Like in, in postpartum, it might be different. You know, like I said, if I had to nurse and I would dread it because I was like, am I going to produce milk? Is he going to eat? I would make it fun for myself. And the award was immediate because it was during. But if it can't be immediate, then it's like immediately after. Say, I'm going to take the baby to the park for the first time and I'm really scared. And the minute you get home, it's like I get to have a smoothie or I get to do something just for me. Um, but those immediate rewards. So it's like it triggers your brain. I did a good job. And then it makes you more willing to try harder. And then it makes it more joyful because it's like, I'm strong. I can do this. Yay. And then your brain, which is constantly seeking comfort is like, um, Ooh, I like this. That was hard. That was new, but Ooh, maybe we'll try that again. You know? So 
I don't know if you can suss out any advice in that big jumble, but (laughs) no, I think, yeah, I think exactly like you said, like making it fun. And then also, you know, I think a lot of the times like we think, oh, like we have to do these things instead of like, we want to do these things. And I think sometimes I hear a lot of moms, like they make this huge long list of, oh, I got to do like this, this, and this, and this. And then I'll, you know, feel happy or I have to, I have to get up and get dressed and go out to the park. And then I'll feel like I accomplished something. But I think like you were saying, you have to make it fun. You have to have that aspect of excitement and kind of, and it does take time and practice. And maybe, you know, all you do is you kind of start to get up and get dressed. Like maybe getting to the park takes a week, a couple weeks, right? You know, and I think just remembering to start small and just give yourself that grace and, and just, you know, slowly build up to that big thing. If all you can do is get dressed today, way to go, go Mm -hmm. get yourself a Starbucks or go like take a nap because you did great today. That's, you know, like, I think what is that saying that, um, I'm totally going to butcher it, but it's something between, discontentment lies between the gap of expectation and reality. And so if we're expecting, like, I will go to the park, I will do this, I'm going to knock these things out and none of these things happen or they don't happen perfectly, which is guess what? Pretty much a guarantee. (laughs) Um, Then there's discontentment. There's mom guilt can wiggle its way in and all of these things, stress, anxiety, all of these things can come in. So um, in some cases, it's helpful to lower the bar or to just have a realistic expectation for the day of like, um, this is what I can do. And if I do this, it's a victory. I remember when I was going through physical therapy, my physical therapist was so sweet. Her name was Dawn. And she, in that moment, was like, this is not the time to be cooking elaborate dinners. This is not the time to like try to do something new. This is the time where you what is that um, saying? Batten down the hatches. Like you do freezer meals if you have to. You use disposable plates if you have to. Like if even the dishes are too much at this point, let yourself lower your standards. And it's stuff you would never do when you're mentally healthy or physically capable. But in this moment, it's okay. And this is a different time and that's okay. And so it was like giving myself grace. And I think grace is a huge thing to be like, I'm going to use paper plates and plastic spoons and I'm going to not do dishes today or I'm going to, you know, whatever. It's totally fine because guess what? It's like you are in control of you and the the only things that are vital are that you guys are alive and healthy and taken care of. Everything else is a preference. So if you don't work on tummy time today, or if you're not able to do this other milestone or goal you wanted to work on, like, that's okay. Your baseline is keeping everybody alive and healthy. That's it. Yeah. You know? And that's like exactly like the pages in your book, like the dishes can wait. Like, you know, and I think it's just kind of remembering that. And I think your book is something that really emulates that and really sheds light on that and like you said was just such a great also like conversation starter of moms reaching out and saying like listen to this story or oh my gosh I'm having these same like feelings and emotions and thoughts and really just realizing like it is just a season is just a phase and like we're all going through it 
But I would say uh, to tack on to that, like, yes, remember it's a season because if we let ourselves have so much grace that when we're physically or mentally able, we stay in those seasons, then it starts to not serve us anymore. So there is a time, uh, there's a time for everything and there's a time to take things off your plate and have grace. And then there's a time to try and to push yourself a little bit more. And that's what your mind and your body is going to need. And so slowing down to listen to yourself and say, oh, I feel ready to walk today, or I feel ready to maybe go for a run or whatever. Um, But it's like your body and your baby are going to need different things at different times. And allowing yourself that space to recognize is really critical and something I'm not always great at because I am so... I'm a doer and I'm like, go, 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 go. So slowing down to be like, ah, what do I need today is such a joy and such a breath of fresh air, but it's not easy to do. (laughs) I love that. So where can we reach you if we want to get in contact with you? If we want to buy the book, tell us all the details. Yeah. So the best place to find me is on my website, thedenmother.net. Um, but you can also reach out on my Instagram, which is the, it's at the underscore Kitty Key, and you can DM me there, um, follow posts. I post recipes, blog posts, and all that kind of thing. Um, I also have a podcast called the Den Mother Podcast, and we tackle some of the big, like, overarching issues of new motherhood from poop to sleep to anxiety to mom guilt. And so that's been a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, you can find the book at thedenmother.net. Awesome. I'll make sure to put that all in the show notes so everybody can, you know, link that in and, and get on over to those pages and your podcasts and everything like that. Oh, thanks, Sarah. It's so great just to meet you, to talk to you yeah. and to see how much joy you're having in such an early stage of new motherhood um, or giving birth right after. So I think it's so cool. And I'm so happy for you with your new baby. Thank you. Yeah, this has been so much fun. I always love these conversations and really just talking with other moms about motherhood and everything that is going on in their life and what has happened as they have entered motherhood. Oh, me too. It's so energizing, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) it is. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Well, this wraps up yet another episode of Entering Motherhood. I hope that you have found this episode helpful. And if you liked it, please share it with others who might also benefit from this information. If there's anything that you'd like to know more about, or maybe you know someone who'd like to be on the show, please visit my website, enteringmotherhood.com. I'm so thrilled to be going on this journey with you and getting the amazing opportunity to help moms during this postpartum experience. You can also now find us on Instagram and Facebook at Entering Motherhood.